Welcome to... We're live. I, I, uh, I went quite true. <laughs> Welcome to episode 11 of season 3 of Live Lunch, but also our one year anniversary of Live Lunch. Yay! 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 Oh my gosh, no. Set what on fire. Oh. <laughs> It's been one year since we started Live Lunch. Yes. This year has gone by quick. And we have a special guest. (laughs) Joe Burger is back. Yeah, yeah. We flew him back from wherever he was holidaying. Oh. Mm. To join us for this special Live Lunch uh, episode. Our one year anniversary. One year of Live Lunch. Wow. Thank you to our faithful five who have tuned in every week. We love you. Thank you, guys. Oh, look. It's a brown thing. That's, um, hold on, that is that is from In the Night Garden. I have kids. Yes. I hate In the Night Garden. Yeah, they're, they're I should say that on mm. live television. Mm. No. To live lunch. Hope your first birthday is filled with fun and giggles. Yay, many blessings for year two. Oh, from your five years. <laughs> five years, thank you very much. Yeah. And there's our little family. There's uh, obviously the brown person. <laughs> you can the blue person. And blue. our wonderful what? team of people. Excellent. So thank you very much for... Thank you to the the viewers. Should we blow off that candle? (laughs) At least like the sprinklers... Sorry, it doesn't set fire to him. Yeah, oh. (laughs) Yes! Excellent. Okay. This year has gone by quickly. Thank you so much, Joe. Thank you for giving us your time and (laughs) um, being a part of Live Lunch. To our incredible team, Yeva, Joe, Megan, um, for making this happen. Yeah. You guys are superstars. One year of live lunch. Absolutely. And we have some good news. Yeah. We have been renewed for season four. <laughs> Yay! So live lunch will come back to you in January. I think we've got one Huge more. Huge contract. We've got one. Next uh, Next week is our final episode of season three because it's also the end of the On Your Mind series. Yeah. Uh, and we thought, right, that's that's a good time to, to bring season three to an end. Mm. Uh, but we'll be back in January yep. at some point. So all five of you can have something to do on your live lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, penultimate talk on the On Your Mind series. Uh, uh, just by the way, we had ITV with us uh, over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just to, to find out about the On Your Mind series and, and the kind of impact that it's had within our community and the importance of, of doing uh, a, a teaching series on mental health and mm-hmm. anxiety. Uh, and some of the topics that we've covered, including my favorite, Suckle. Um, they, they were intrigued by why we were talking on Sakura. So, yeah, so, uh, uh, yeah, the, we will be featured on ITV this week. And we'll send out a link as soon as we, uh, we, we know when and where it will be shown. Excellent. Um, Bringing the good news of Suckle to the world. <laughs> so, so this Sunday we looked excellent. at Doubt on Your Mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, we looked at the, the story of uh, the... The disciple Peter and he walked on water hmm. uh, and then he panicked and he doubted Jesus and he began to sink and Jesus appeared and lifted him out of the water. Uh, and I guess before you go into your summary, it is hmm. quite some of the, the, the criticism I've heard about Christianity is if God is real, why doesn't he just show himself uh, and show everybody that he's real? And God did that 2000 years ago. If you were alive, he did show up uh, on this earth. Um, but there's, I guess the question that people have is, if it's so real and if it's so true, why isn't it a lot more obvious? And you could say that um, that Peter, in that moment of, of encountering Jesus walking on the water, mm. stepping out and walking on water, having an extraordinary experience mm. and an encounter with, with God, still had a moment of doubt and, and panic. Yeah. So 
I guess is that a, is that a fair question? How would you respond to the question of, um, yes, we want a clear, big, obvious sign that God is real, and yet the human heart seems to doubt even in those moments. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, um, you're, I guess you're touching on, on the, the issue of, of proof. You know, can we prove away doubts to the point of absolute um, absolute exclusion, that they're, they're just permanently dealt with? And you know, how, much, how, how possible is it to live on the good side of absolute proof? And um, I, think, I think the question is... Uh, it seems to me there are three problems with with it. I think there's a there's a problem with um, there's a problem with with us. And there's a problem with God. And there's a problem with proof itself. It's so so the the idea of did you just say there's a problem with God? Um, I did, I did. But I'm going to qualify that comment before you, you run me through with a trident, mm-hmm. um, which I know you've got tucked away in your your wallet pocket. Do yeah, um, I, I think the the um, um, the problem with proof is that, frankly, you you you, you when when people say prove this, it, it's it's um, assuming a certain kind of proof, a quality of proof, in the question. You, you've got to prove this to me. Um, well, in what sense? How can I? How do we prove things in a court of law? Well, we, we weigh up evidence and we, we, we try to make things um, substantial beyond a point of reasonable doubt mm. so that a jury will say guilty or not guilty based on a kind of a, 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 the way evidence seems to, to have uh, been presented to us. But there are a lot of things in life uh, that we need proof on. Some, some of them might be issues of, you know, what actually happened in a, in a, in a criminal situation or at least a, an, an alleged criminal situation. Some of them might be, pr- prove to me that, I don't know, that, that certain chemicals react in a certain way and then you can prove that in a, in a laboratory with, with, with Bunsen burners and, and all the rest and you just kind of put these, and you can prove it scientifically in the, in the right sort of laboratory conditions. There you go, there's your proof. Um, but there's so much information that we take as we, we take as perfectly trustworthy and, and warranted that you could not prove in a laboratory, um, and you, you have to think: well, what kind of proof do we there for? I, I don't have proof when I go to bed at night that my wife won't wake up in the middle of the night and strangle me. I, I have no proof of that kind. No, incapable. Go, I can understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In you fact, would have those doubts. In fact, what am I doing? This is crazy. How did I get this far? Um, there's all kinds of, of, of things that we just, we, we've learned to believe confidently. We, we place our lives in situations all the time, which we, we take on other people's authority. We trust testimony. We trust, uh, we trust how we're feeling on a certain day. We trust a quick look at the sky. About the, you know, we, 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 we do our lives that way in reality, down to, to quite ge- genuinely life and death uh, dilemmas. And, and so we've we got to be real about what kind of, uh, proofs we're prepared to live and and there's certain things you simply couldn't prove scientifically but that doesn't take away from their quality of trustworthiness mm-hmm. uh, you can you can nevertheless check out things like how how historically reliable is the new testament mm. we can look into that we can look into whether the gospels are good documents whether what they describe about the the, the life and death and resurrection of jesus is worth taking seriously we can do that 
Um, we could we could look at some of that as as evidence of a certain kind. Having said that, and here's what the, here's the problem with us. <laughs> the problem with us is that we we might actually be brought overwhelming levels of, of evidence mm. um, that you know might it would seem objectively persuade people but but then we might find out actually that's not that's not enough for me in my situation that's not enough because the the, the person demanding the evidence may not be as objective as they give mm. the impression of being mm. and, and and just the, the sheer reality of, of um, our disposition in the heart Somebody who is being persuaded to something they don't want to be true is going to be harder to persuade, mm. and they will demand more evidence, and then more. Mm. And they may even get evidence of such an extremely overwhelming kind that that you think, why are you not just accepting it? But it can be like this when you're arguing with someone who's being stubborn, and you, you almost become as laughable the way that. But the Bible says that's what we're like. Mm. So I laugh at my kids if I get into an argument with them and they, they hold on to a version of the story that's so obviously not true. It's just like, you know, they're kind of, I can see that this is not true, but they're kind of, no, 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 Dad, this is what happened. Um, and I, can't, I find it amusing. But then the Bible puts the spotlight on my heart, says that's what I'm like with God, that, that the Bible says we suppress the truth because of unrighteousness. We don't, we don't want God to be true. Yeah. We'd rather he wasn't. We'd rather, and, and some people who are, are atheists even, skeptics, have admitted this. Only a few, most of them would never admit this. One or two would say, yeah, I, you know, I don't believe in God because I don't want God. I just don't want there to be one. Most of us would, would try and pretend that we were being all kind of objective and level playing fields and, no, I'm prepared to accept evidence. Truth is, we might not be. So there's a problem with us. It's like that person that, you know, where the doctor said, um, I'll prove to you that you're you're alive by cutting you and the, and the blood will come out and that proves that you're alive because dead people don't bleed. Yeah. And he said, all right, then he cuts him and he bleeds. And he says, oh, what? you've proved something to me. He says, what have I proved to you? He said, you've proved to me that dead people, after all, do bleed. It's like we'll, we'll change the goalposts. And that's the Bible says that's the, that's the condition of the heart. So there's a problem with proof, there's a problem with the heart, and there's a problem with God, which now that I'm going to Houdini my way out of this heresy charge Please. that you seem to be like, sore over my head. <laughs> That's right. Stay with us, you five. The, um, uh, I, the problem with, uh, with, with, um, with God, sorry, is in the sense that the kind of God that you would prove, if I, if I came at you with the kind of classic proofs for the existence of God, of which there are many. There are many. There are the, you know the various people through history have done a good job of explaining and you know cementing a kind of good arguments that are pretty persuasive and logical, and they make sense and you know reasonable. Uh, but what have you proved? If you prove them, well, you could say you've proved you've proved that there is some kind of God figure out there. Mm. That's not the same thing as knowing the God of Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's like yeah. that's that's not quite what. We need yeah. we, we need something more than just general evidence that there's a there's a deity out there. And I think um, one thing that I've really appreciated of, of being within this church context is you've not discouraged us from exploring our doubts, and you've not discouraged questioning, and mm. you've not discouraged even the fact that we we often have these conversations where people can text in questions, and people can ask you questions. We're not saying well, you've got to believe, and if you don't believe, we're not listening to you. Or right. We don't. Um, right. We don't care about your doubts, or we don't mm. care about your questions. You mm. just got to toe the line and believe, mm. uh, which, which is the difference between the church and, and the cult. Um, mm. you, you can you can bring your questions, and, 
Jesus seemed to have lots of time for people who ha- who had questions. Even the religious teachers of Islam meeting with them in the middle of the night to talk to some of their questions uh, and and explain to them with answers that may give them more questions. But mm. he still spent time with with people doing that. And so, well, I guess my question is what. What would you say to people who who have doubts and who have questions? What should they do? In, in, to broaden the question a little bit, uh, you could say there's two kinds of questions or doubts. There's doubts about the existence of God, uh, and then there's doubts about maybe the goodness of God and and God's character. And um, the thing, uh, so, so God in the Bible is 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 a, is a father called the Father. Mm. Um, he's not he's not Allah. Who is separate from his people and who is distinct from his people? And um, how would you help people who have doubts about the attributes of of our heavenly Father to understand um, or to, to appease their doubts? Yeah, sorry, my question is a bit yeah. rambly. I think no. I, I, I'm glad it was rambly mm. because while you were talking, I, I I put in my mouth what I can only describe as as uh, green lava. Mm. So we're eating sushi here, and there's something on my plate that that looks looks innocent enough, but it's actually it nearly took the roof of my head off while you were talking. And you can maybe, if you're close enough, see my eyes are slightly watering. So while you were talking, I was thinking, please, yeah, I don't stop talking because I won't be able to talk. If I open my mouth, I will explode. We've just got this really good chemistry. Got this grace on I just totally understand what's going on in yeah, your head. I would have breathed fire on you. Then. So yeah. it's just as well. So thank you. Um, I think the... the um, the key answer probably is is, is a simple. We we need to grow in our understanding of what the Bible teaches, uh, as much as anything. I think this is the point that that we were labouring to, to make on Sunday. That doubt um, is cultivated. It kind of corrosive doubt. You know, doubt that sort of self perpetuates. Doubt that just keeps people chained up with constant, constant uncertainty I think that that spreads like gangrene when there's little um, theology <laughs> when people's Christianity is 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 light on um, constructed understanding um, it's it's it gets instead shaped by whatever is the most compelling I experience I most recently had. Mm. Um, and, and so I become a bit of a subject, a bit, bit, bit of a slave almost to uh, how, how, how real this stuff feels to me. It's just I'm not feeling it this week or it's not, it's not so real. Ah, it's just it's not real enough. And, um, and that's going to happen. You're going to definitely have the, the Bible talks pretty clearly about that. And life as we know it is, is, is subject to kind of waxing and waning experience. And, and so we need to have more than that. We need to have a substantial kind of worldview that we can fall back on and say, hold on, how can I interpret this season that I'm going through or this this point in my life where I don't feel the goodness of God and it seems even potentially hard to trust that he's yeah, good. Yeah. And so we need to actually, Christians need to have learned to, uh, to argue for the goodness of God with themselves, mm. to make an argument, to say to themselves, no, hold on, no, 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 you know too much. You know that God is good. How do I know? Well, because of X, Y, and Z. I mean, the key thing is is the cross, because mm. that's the the uh, the kind of ultimate self disclosure of God. Mm. God has revealed Himself to us in the Son, and 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 what Jesus has come to do and demonstrate to us through the cross mm-hmm. is 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 the willingness of God, the loving kindness of God, the goodness of God to to shoulder our burdens, to take our curse. 
everything we need to know about God, in a sense, is is through that, and it makes it, it makes it a different. It makes it so different than, than us trying desperately. To say, oh, I felt better last week. I wonder what. Do I, how can I go back to feeling like I did last week? How can I recover that feeling? Um, you know, don't try and recover that feeling. Come back to truth and build from there, and and you'll probably find that the feelings will start to follow. Anyways, yeah. Do you have a story? And I think this is the question that's burning in everybody's minds. Hmm. What does Joel Virgo do when he experiences doubt? <laughs> Do you, have a, do you have a story to say, hey, this happened and it, and it led me to doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I have... Um, I, the first thing to know is that for me, doubting is, is kind of... Um, is, is a totally normal thing. Questioning, um, re-questioning, sometimes in a way that's probably not that positive. So I, I think I can, I can go back and question things that I... I needn't question, but there's a there's a bit of a tendency in my mind that I, that's sometimes helpful, sometimes not, and it's and I have to kind of watch out for it and not waste time. Uh, but second guessing and and yeah, but what if that? What if that? Going back on stuff that I would I was persuaded on. I say that maybe because in itself it might help people to know that that's normal. You know, you're a pastor and you do, oh for sure I do, and and um, and people need to know that to know, you know, it's not like you're you're. You're a, you're a leper because you have doubts. Um, I think for me, um, I, I think really dis- discussing this with wisdom, with those who have wisdom, seeking out wisdom. You know, the Bible's constant refrain, especially in the book of Proverbs, for example, seek out wisdom, search it out, look for it, hunt it down. This is this is um, uh, it's easily ignored. You know, we kind of don't realize how how that is a command. And so seeking it, hunting it down, looking for wisdom is so important. And I, I guess, um, it's, it, it, for me personally, it will mean um, kind of, I, I almost would say like kind of having a conversation with wiser people. And sometimes it's literally a conversation. It's literally a conversation with a friend or a phone call or someone who I know is, is you know, hunting someone living down. But just as often, if not maybe more often, it's, it's conversations with people who are dead, mm. <laughs> conversations with people who've been there, who've had the same question. And what we as a 21st, 21st century generation have probably done hilariously more than others is assume that we're the only wise generation, you know, the only clever ones. We, you know, everyone who came before us is a bit dense. You know, they were kind of primary school and we're secondary school, or we, you know, they're secondary, we're sixth form, because uh, we kind of, we're later in, in history, so we're better. When the reality is often, it's almost the reverse. The reality is the big questions that we've got, the things we struggle with, yeah, people have been there before us for thousands of years. They've wrestled with the same kinds of questions. Mm. And they, 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 they're worth going back to, go back to people. And so for me, it's, it's going back to some of our, especially if they write really well, mm. <laughs> some of them write well in a way that you feel like they're a friend, you know, they're sympathetic. Like people like, I guess people like C.S. Lewis would be a good example. Mm that you feel, ah, yeah, you kind of get me, you know. And there are others like that, like Pascal or um, in, in our kind of generation right now, some of the brilliant people like Tim Keller and and uh, and others we could mention who just just know how to explain so wisely and succinctly. I, I find them key for me personally, just kind of construct a way of seeing things. Um, and, and I think there are times when um, that will be, that's all you need to do, just talk it out. 
learn, think, read. And, and ah, no, that makes sense. Other times, frankly, and, and to be honest, this, is, this, this, this actually is something we should do anyway, is we should call out to God. And I mentioned this on Sunday, and Peter does cry out to Jesus, help me, I'm sinking. You know, doubt is a weird thing. Sometimes doubt, people who are doubting think, I, I can't pray because I'm doubting the God that I, I'm supposed to pray to, mm. um, which is, uh, it, you know, it, it's, it, it's worth questioning that assumption. Think, no, wait a minute. It, <laughs> one of the ways that I'm going to find him is if I call on him and he answers me, and I cry out to him, and, and actually pressing in in prayer at times when you're struggling to know where is he, what's going on, can I trust him, um, can I even trust that he's there? Uh, that that's that's huge. That's mm. huge because it, it you're you're actually you're kind of opening the situation up in a different way. It stops stops being theoretical. It mm. starts being the God who answers by fire. Let him be God. You know the God who actually shows up in my situation mm. and crying out and praying. And it's a lovely thing to pray. It's in the it's in the Gospels. You know that guy in Mark's Gospel comes to Jesus and and he wants Jesus to heal his son and Jesus says you know he says if you can help and Jesus says if i can help well, you know, trust you know, where's your faith and the guy says i, I do believe help my unbelief mm. and uh, that's, that's a biblical prayer you know you're allowed to pray that if you worry about your doubts you go, i can't pray i don't have any faith no 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 you have enough faith to pray just a tiny bit mm. just a little bit mm. and uh, and you know god can use that and that's a good place to start yeah you are mentioning about, um, you know, different people and um, reading, and I was wondering if you had any resources that you could recommend. Mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, we we really recommend, um, often recommend the books by Tim Keller. Um, for I guess uh, particularly good at ex- uh, explaining and, and being persuasive about the truth of Christianity and the reliability of the Bible um, and doing it in a way that engages... I guess you know our, our context and culture. Um, I think there are there are some uh, there are so many others. In, you know, that's one of the exciting things about the, the time we're in. I think God's kindly raised up lots and lots of other people with real smart, uh, um, uh, persuasive arguments. There's a lady called Re- Rebecca McLaughlin who um, whose book I've forgotten the name of it, and we need to get it on the the, the, the show notes on the YouTube thing when you get this. So. Um, I think her book is called Confronting Christianity. I think it's called that, but we should check. But I think she is brilliant. I, she would, this would be, for me, one of the best books for arguing persuasively. It's more talking about has Christianity been good for, for, for history, good for the world or not. That's kind of where she's coming from. That's most of her argument is about that. But that's a big deal for people, uh, especially these days. And, and she's brilliant. I think it's just, I think it's outstanding book. Um, I love um, um, uh, people like Peter Williams. Peter J. Williams has done a book called "Can We Can We Trust the Gospels?" that only came out just last year. Um, but again, just very uh, helpfully helpfully pointing out the, the 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 persuasive arguments for believing the reliability of the Gospels, written by someone who's a brilliant scholar of, of the documents. Um, so it would be a starter. Yeah. yeah, we can mention others, but that would be a good starter. Thank you. Yeah. Um, we've only got a few minutes left, so I just want to ask you, what are mm. we looking forward to this Sunday? Yeah, so we're, we're talking about um, um, anxiety as it relates to the family. Mm-hmm. So this is the last in this season of, of messages. Mm-hmm. We're getting into Christmas shortly after, so uh, we'll be we'd be getting into our Advent series, and uh, that's a big deal. I mean, we we um, I think perhaps can 
fail to to see that Advent is is a is a big deal. That the coming of of the Son of God into the world is a is a big thing for us to pause annually and reflect on, um, in a way that's kind of comforting because it is. You know, it's, that's that's the very word that. Um, the Messiah, you know, the, the, the Handel's Messiah starts off with Isaiah 40, comfort my people. That's, that's the kind of way God introduces his new covenant in the book of Isaiah, comfort you, comfort ye, my people. But it's not just comforting. The coming of the Son of God into the world is a, is a, is a big, big thing uh, in terms of the, the holiness of God, the, the intention of God to set things straight, to judge the world, to bring change. Uh, it's a big thing, and I want us to get into that in a big way. And God sets, the, sets things straight and lifts up the valleys and brings down the mountains. And um, it's, it's God bringing change and justice to the world. That's where he's going. That's where history's going. And that's a good thing and a scary thing. And so Advent needs to be taken seriously. But this Sunday before is, is on family. And, uh, yeah, I think people are anxious for all kinds of reasons. And pretty much family is going to be up there as one of the top of the list. We get anxious about family, about relationships with family, about kids, parents, marriages, stuff from the past, things that are painful from history and things that we're worried about for the future. Um, family is a cause of a lot of pain, but actually family is a gift. God, God blesses us by giving us family. You know, Genesis chapter 2 is a really happy and rich chunk of the Bible about the blessing of family. But family can be a curse. And uh, we want to talk about how, how we handle that, how we can uh, learn to find grace from Jesus in the context of tough family life and even hope and uh, potentially you know, see transformation. So that's, that's the big plan for this Sunday. We'll see how far we get. Exciting. Yeah. Mm. Are you preaching? I am. Yes, yes. I'm yeah, looking forward to being around. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thanks very much for joining us. Um, yeah, for our special one-year anniversary. <laughs> yes. Um, we need the cake now. Yeah, we need, we need to eat the cake. cake. Now. We're going we're gonna to go offline and eat cake. Is that a train cake? And it's a caterpillar, caterpillar cake. Oh, oh, oh right, sorry, yeah. It's got... Okay, oh, yeah, excellent. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking Thomas the Tank Engine, but there you go. Very nice. Thomas the Tank Engine is blue. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. I don't know why I felt so passionately about it. But yeah, no, you're Thomas right. Thomas the Tank Engine is blue. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, um, yeah. On that happy note, thanks There's so much no for joining us. That's a train, is there? See yep. you Quite later. Right. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody.